Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented, and let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Good morning. Happy Friday. It's a football Friday here on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Jam-packed hour of content coming your way. In just a couple minutes, we'll go through our favorite NFL picks for the weekend. Then at 7.20, our favorite college picks for the weekend, if you are sensing a theme. Then at 7.40, we go to the NBA and give you a roundup of what's going on when it comes to the betting markets for futures, including some steep overnight line movement when it comes to Victor Wimbignana. Went from, uh, I believe, minus 155 to minus 350 overnight after dropping 38 points on a Thursday night. So we'll get into all that and more in the next hour of the show. But, Jenks, we are entering some dangerous territory at our household because guess what my three-year-old has now learned to lie and damn it she's pretty good at it oh (laughs) what is blake lying about tell me more well she lies that she's gone to the bathroom because it's an uphill challenge for us getting her to use the potty so last night she goes in the bathroom and i'm like okay blake you need to use the bathroom uh and she's like I need my privacy. I'm like, sure, we'll close the door, whatever. Do you need help getting on the potty? Because it's pretty high up. She said, no, I need my privacy. So she goes in there. You can obviously hear when somebody's using the bathroom and when they're not. So she sits in there for like three minutes. Nothing happens. And then she walks back out. I'm like, Blake, did you use the potty? She says, yes. I walk in. There's nothing in the potty. I'm like, Blake, are you telling the truth? And she says, Yes. I'm like, sweetie, did something come out? And she said, yes. Do I get a piece of candy now? Because the problem is I've been bribing her. I said, if you use the potty, you get a piece of candy. Um, But here's the thing. She's never lied before. Like, for the longest time, you could just ask her, and she just dumbly replies what actually happens. So I don't know how to approach this. Like, how do you skew somebody away from lying for the first time? Because that's the other thing. I feel like most kids kind of smile and laugh when they lie. She didn't, which kind of scares me, but also makes me think that she's going to have a great career in sales. Oh, yeah. She'll be awesome. (laughs) Is this... Hey, is, does this car have a history of any sort of no. wreck or being in a repair shop? No, no. it's brand new. I, I, yeah, you don't even need to look at the history. I'm telling you, I, I'm looking at you in the eye. Okay, if I shake your hand, that's the truth. I think what you have to do is, God, why am I giving you parenting advice? You're a great mom. I, I don't have children. I did work at a daycare. That's my one. I was in charge of a bunch of children between my undergrad the gerbil undertaker yes the gerbil (laughs) undertaker the field trip coordinator so that's my one experience with a bunch of kids i think you probably just like and matt said this in the chat which is probably the right way to go about it i don't know exactly what that would entail but just like you have 
a positive reinforcement for when she goes to the potty or when she does something that you like. You have some sort of negative reinforcement for lying, but I don't want to punish your little girl or do something that's going to hurt her feelings. Just something that that reinforces the idea that it's not okay to lie. I don't know. It's tricky Whatever because last week I told her that just because she didn't like somebody, she shouldn't say that to that person's face. Because here's the, mm. the tricky part. You never realize how much you use white lies in life until you have <laughs> to tell a child not to do that. Because there's a little yes. boy in our class she doesn't like. And she doesn't want to invite him to her birthday party. She says, well, like Jackson, I don't want him coming to my birthday party. I'm like, sweetie, you can't say that. Like, even if yeah. you don't like him, it's not very nice to say that to his face. So now I have to tell her, hey, sweetie, we can't be lying, but also maybe bend the truth a little bit when it comes to Jackson. Yeah, I remember a... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I To this point, when I was at NBC, I had a guy come up to me who worked in production, which was weird because I don't think he really liked me, but whatever. And... He came up to me one day. He was a little sheepish in how he said this to me. He goes, hey, can I ask your advice about something? I was like, sure. He goes, so I, you have pretty white teeth. So can you help me? Because I, my, my nephew was visiting this weekend. He looked at me. He goes, Luke, your teeth are brown. And I thought, oh, <laughs> I need to – because kids just don't have any filter, right? He was like, so can you help me or give me some ideas on how to maybe wipe my teeth a little bit? Not that I'm some sort of dental expert, but all that went back to a kid looking at him and saying, hey, your teeth are brown or they're yellow, whatever it is. And kids will do that, right? Like that might be true, but you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And then kids tend to see things in black and white until they learn new ones. Mm -hmm. So how do you teach a kid? It's not okay to lie, but in this particular circumstance, maybe it's okay not to tell the truth because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. That's a lot for a little kid to process. I know it's trying to explain complicated concepts to somebody who is just learning about the world in general. I am yes. finding very challenging, you know, cause eventually she's going to wonder, you know, some of life's biggest questions. And it's like, mm -hmm. you have to find a way to make complicated things seem very simple. And it boils down to, it's similar to sports betting. When people ask me to explain sports betting, I'm like, well, how much time you got? If you are <laughs> right. truly an expert in something, you can make a very complicated thing or concept uh, understandable to somebody, no matter their level of you know understanding of the topic. So I think yeah. that's what I have taken away from this. And as much as I want to dive into the numbers and provide all of these really in-depth examples of, you know, why I like these picks, I think at some point you got to keep it a little more simple and just base some of this on basic logic. So let's do that. Let's try to give us, uh, give some people simple handicaps of some of these games and try to win the people some money. So let's go into our favorite picks of uh, the NFL this weekend. Pick six. Pick six. Woo, we went down a road there, Jenks. We uh, did. All right, so let's get back to the basics. Who do we like this week in the NFL? You want to lead us off here? I sure do. Let's start with a classic NFL venue. Frankfurt, Germany. Oh. Football has often been called a battlefield. 
A war between violet men in shoulder pads and Taylor Swift fans pretending to love the game. Dolphins, Chiefs, going Kansas City, money line, minus 125. Let me ask you a very simple question. How often do you get the Chiefs at a short price like this on the money line? Never. And I mentioned this yesterday. People never talk about this. Yes, Patrick Mahomes was bad last week against the Broncos. He had one of his worst games as a pro. He was sick. He legitimately had the flu, got it from his wife and daughter. I think they got it from Taylor Swift. That's why she sings that song, Cruel Summer. She's been sick for months, not telling anyone, just spreading the germs all over the place. That lavender haze, it's not love. It's germs. Lavender germs everywhere. Now Patrick is healthy, and I need to see the Dolphins face a real defense before I'm ready to declare that Miami is better than Kansas City. The Chiefs have the fourth best overall defense in the NFL. And in his career after a loss, Patrick Mahomes, 10 and 3 straight up. Chiefs, money line, minus 125. I would like to point out that Jenks added Taylor Swift to his handicap unprompted. Like nobody asked about Taylor Swift, but Jenks just loves her so much. You got to throw her oh, in there. Oh, Chelsea. Somewhere. Oh, God. <laughs> Barf. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 you got to talk it's about like her. A, Oh, it's like an earworm. It's getting into my brain. All right. We'll 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 ha- handle that for later. All right. So I'll be with you on the Chiefs in this case because it is a very simple handicap for me. How often do you get Patrick Mahomes at a pick'em price against a defense that's given up some crooked numbers? Because yes, on the surface, this Dolphins offense has so many playmakers and so many potential uh you know, plays for fireworks in this one. But still, you look at this Chiefs defense, that is the difference here. It's not just the quarterbacks. It's the fact that Tua Tungavailoa has to face the best or the second-best scoring defense in the entire NFL. The Chiefs giving up just 16 points per game. Also, it's a, a neutral field here. And plus, the Dolphins have not fared well against higher levels of competition. They got torched by the Bills. They lost to the Eagles and only scored 17 points. I think it's a similar scenario here. I will take uh, Patrick Mahomes and company at a pick Let's go Chiefs money line here. If you want to watch it, it's an early game on Sunday morning, 930 in the East. Pick six. Pick six. Oh, Chelsea. Vikings. Falcons. Under 37, that's where we're going. They called him the gunslinger. But when an upstart named Taylor Heineke reached for his holstered weapon, it was a pigskin. This is for you, Double D. I I don't know what to do as far as a side goes because we got Heineke versus Jaron Hill for the Vikings. But you know that Jaron Hill is going to be a downgrade from Kirk Cousins. And even if Heineke is better than Desmond Ritter, I suspect he will be. Is he a massive upgrade? I don't think so. He's he's plucky. He's a gamer. He's a gunslinger. He's just a winner. Use whatever description you want. It doesn't change the handicap. And look at the trends here. Atlanta, 6-2 and two to the under this season. Minnesota, 7-1 and one to the under. And this was before Kirk Cousins got injured. Vikings, Falcons, under 37 is the play. If you want to watch that dumpster fire of a game, it is a one Eastern kickoff between the Vikings and the Falcons. Pick six. Pick six. All 
right, speaking of dumpster fires, this is the king of them all. If you want to watch a terrible game, how about the Giants and the Raiders? I'm going to hit the under 38 for minus 125 between these two teams uh, who have the worst offenses in the league. If you look at both of these teams, they've been super hot to the under. Giants 7-1 and one to the under. Raiders 6-2 and two to the under as well. Vegas has scored less than 20 points in every game but one. And you say to yourself, okay, well, the Giants have a bad defense. This is a Raiders team that scored a total of 12 points against the Chicago Bears. Well, maybe there's some regression brewing for both of these teams. No, they're actually converting pretty well in the red zone. Mm -hmm. If you look at the Raiders, they have the eighth best red zone touchdown scoring percentage in the NFL. The problem is they have such a bad offense, they just can't get to the red zone. So maybe there's actually some negative regression waiting to happen for that offense. So Aiden O'Connell, I don't trust you here, buddy. And I certainly don't trust Daniel Dimes. I'll hit the under 38 between the Giants and the Raiders. Ah, Daniel Dimes. It is a 425 Easter kickoff from Sin City on Sunday. Pick six. Pick six. Oh, yeah, I'm doing it. Cowboys getting three in Philly. When you saw this spread, what's the first thing you thought? Oh, I'm hammering the Eagles. Only three points? Well, guess what? Everyone else had that same thought. Vegas is begging you to take Philly, and I am not taking the bait. You hear a lot about Dak Prescott, how he matches up against the Eagles secondary. I think it's fool's gold. My question is how an injured Jalen Hurts is going to handle a Cowboys secondary that leads the NFL in interception rate and is fourth overall in the NFL against the pass. NFC East games, as we know, Chelsea always battles. And frankly, I think the Cowboys are just a better team right now. I said it. Cowboys plus three in Philly. Ooh, divisional game points. I think I'd be with you, but the Cowboys do scare me because they haven't played a ton of good teams. And the one team that they did play that was good, uh, the 49ers, they got smoked by them. So <laughs> we shall see in the divisional battle between the Cowboys and the Giants. If you want to watch it, it is a, let's see, 425 Eastern kick. Pick six. Pick six. All right, so I only really like two picks this weekend in the NFL, okay. but we had to have three. So this is the last man up for me. I'm going to go with the Browns minus eight over the Cardinals. Looks like the Cardinals are starting to become the team that we thought they were going to be at the start of the year, and that is one of the worst teams in the NFL. Now they have Clayton Toon that has to start at quarterback since Josh Dobbs has gone to the Vikings. So I definitely don't trust him now, especially when you have a quarterback that is pretty inexperienced going against this Browns defense, who I know has had a couple bumps in the road, but still one of the premier defenses in the NFL and all backup quarterbacks are not created equally. P.J. Walker, if he is the guy that starts, if Deshaun Watson, in fact, does not get uh, the start here, he at least is a viable option for a backup quarterback. So I think this is going to be a big win for the Browns. I'll take a minus eight over the Cardinals, although that's like a two-star pick out of five. I don't have a ton of confidence in it, but we had to have six. So there you go. Those are pick six. Uh, there you go. It's a <laughs> one o'clock kick Eastern time on Sunday. Good luck, Chelsea. All right. We'll see if we're a little bit more confident in all six of our college football plays. That's after the break here on The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM.
Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. Plenty to cover here on a Football Friday edition of the Daily Tip. We'll go through our favorite college plays of the slate in just a few minutes. But, Jenks, before football, we need an important reminder to those of us who basically live in the sports world and live under a rock for anything else. Did you know this weekend is daylight saving time? It means that Uh. we do get an extra hour of sleep. But now here in Nashville... We will be seeing sunsets at 4.45 p.m. Are you a fan of daylight saving time or do you think it's very depressing that we will get much fewer (laughs) hours of sunlight in the day? Well, Bill just put in the chat, it's an extra hour of drinking. So that's nice. I can enjoy myself when it's nighttime. Ah, what a day it will be, Chelsea. What a glorious day it will be. I, you know, I am sort of a, I'm kind of a creature of the night and I'm weird in that I, I kind of like the dark and I kind of like the cold and not all depressing. Like I want to live in Nome, Alaska or something like that, but I like the fall and winter. I don't mind the darkness. I, it's weird that I'm on a morning show now because for the vast majority of my life, I was always a night person, right? Doing local TV, regional TV, national TV, whatever, I'm always working late, always working late. So I got so accustomed to that where I'm sleeping in and then I'm up at midnight, one, two, sometimes three in the morning. Now my schedule is just the opposite. So it's been hard for me to adjust to something that is diametrically opposite than my entire existence. So I I understand why it bothers most people, I think, because a lot of people can get affected, like seasonally affected by the darkness and they need light. They need to be outside. I get that. I'm not really one of those people. So I I don't mind it. It just sucks for people who have schedules that are kind of affected by it. Like think of Mm -hmm. the kids who get out of school at 3 PM. If the sun goes down at 4:30, what is that an hour and a half to play outside? I think that's who it really affects the most or people who get off work at five and you don't even see the daylight. Because what time does the sun come up? Have you noticed that, that it's starting to get later and later? Like I'll go down in like the quote unquote mm-hmm. eight, eight o'clock hour, which is the seven o'clock hour for me. And the sun's not even up here. So there are people who are going to work and coming home from work who don't even get any sunlight at home. Those people live in Alaska or Siberia. No, I know what you're talking about though. There or are Nashville. people who, or Nashville, <laughs> right there. I, I I don't know. I, I, I get it. And I think I'm definitely in the minority here. Again, it's not something that really bothers me at all. But this is my time of year. I can wear sweaters. I can be cold and bundle up. I don't have to worry about the sun burning my white skin. So I love it. And also, I just I kind of like it when the lights are dim. And it's just I don't know. It, it, it just sort of speaks to me. I think I'm just odd in that way. But I get it. Most people need and want to see the light. So it has to suck if you're someone who you're up early and then you walk out of work. And you're like, it's still dark. You got to be kidding me. 
Yeah, well, we get it that you're a vampire, and you and Coach <laughs> K can share a coffin one day uh, as fellow <laughs> vampires. But until then, I'm going to complain about daylight saving time. And I'm also going to continue to bet on football because at least we still have that. So let's look at the college slays and see if we can pick some winners. Pick six. Pick six. All right, uh, Sir Vampire. Jenks, you want to kick us off here? Sure, let's do it. All right, I am going with my favorite pick of the weekend. Ole Miss laying three, hosting Texas A&M. You talk about a spiked play and not spite on my end. I'm talking about Lane Kiffin. If you follow college football at all, you have seen, you have watched Lane Kiffin quietly trolling Jimbo Fisher all week long during his press conferences. And listen, am I putting this into my handicap? Yes, because if Ole Miss has a chance to lay on the points, they will absolutely do it at the end of the game. And you're getting, it's only three. You're only laying three. More than that, though, I've talked about this before. Texas A&M, until proven otherwise, is a straight-up fade on the road. They have lost eight straight true road games. Yes, they won in Dallas against Arkansas at that neutral site. But when it's a true road game, AM has not won in eight tries. And also, while the AM defensive line is stellar, they have real issues at linebacker, real issues at secondary. And their quarterback, Max Johnson, he's going to start, but he doesn't look healthy, kind of limping around a little bit. I think Ole Miss in a romp in Oxford is the play. I will gladly take Ole Miss minus three, or you can find it on the money line, minus 148 as well. A good play either way. Ole Miss is where I'm going with, is the team I'm going with on Saturday. Yeah, I almost play this as well because Jimbo Fisher has lost seven straight road games in the SEC. This is not a spot where the Aggies usually are shining their brightest. So I'd be with you on Texas, or excuse me, on Ole Miss here. Land the three if you want to watch it. It's a noon Eastern kick between the Aggies and the Rebels. Pick six. Pick six. All right, I'm going to stay in the SEC, and I'm going to hope for some points. Let's take the over 55 between Missouri and Georgia. Last year, Missouri put a little scare into Georgia, but I'm not playing a spread here. I believe that Georgia can continue to put up some massive points here. And also, both these teams have been super hot to the over. If you look at Georgia, five straight games have hit the over for the Bulldogs. Then you look at Missouri, who have hit the over, in six of their eight games this season. I think the main thing is Georgia's defense just isn't nearly as dominant as they were a season ago. And also they're averaging 40 points per game. You look at the defense, they gave up 20 points to Vanderbilt, 20 points to Florida. And plus Missouri is a pretty solid team. Uh, You look at them, they've only lost one single game this year in a barn burner against LSU so I think I'll hit the over 55 here this one opened at 53 and a half the money has been trickling in on the over I think that's the way to go this Georgia offense has actually become more explosive with the loss of tight end Brock Bowers they're throwing it down the field more I'll hit the over 55 between Georgia and Missouri Ooh, and that total keeps ticking up. Chelsea it's an SEC battle kicking off at 330 Eastern from Sanford Stadium in Athens tomorrow Pick six. Pick six. Oh, let's go to Ames, Iowa. Iowa State. Money line. 
minus 140, hosting number 22, Kansas. There's two things going on here. Number one is this is a classic letdown spot for the Jayhawks. They just got their first win against an AP top 10 team in Lawrence since 1984 when they upset Oklahoma. Do you think these guys are going to be pumped up to go to Ames? No, they will not be. Look, that was a great win for Kansas. I love seeing the Sooners go down, but the Jayhawks are still playing with their backup, Jason Bean, who had a couple of clutch throws in that game, was but wasn't really very good if you look at his overall performance. And Iowa State's defense, that is the real key here. They have tightened up. Cyclones allowing only 14 points per game in their last three. The Cyclones have covered the number in four of their last five. I'm laying the short price to win outright. Iowa State, money line in Ames, minus 140. Ooh, he likes the Cyclones. If you want to watch it, Jayhawks and Cyclones kick off at 7 Eastern in Ames tomorrow night. Pick six. Pick six. All right, let's do a little rivalry matchup. Let's go to Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. I'm going to take the points with OK State here because this is a situational play. I think if you can get six points in a rivalry matchup that looks pretty evenly matched, I think that's what you do here. And plus, Oklahoma State has been great in this position when getting points. The last three times they've been getting points, they won those games all three outright, covering the number and winning outright against K-State, Kansas, and West Virginia. So I think that's the key for me. Plus, Oklahoma has played a lot of these games that they have been uh, heavily favored in, a little bit too close for comfort. I think Oklahoma State can at least keep it close here. I'm not calling for the outright win, but if you're giving me the home dog here, getting six points, I will gladly take that. This one open at eight. Since it's been bet down, I'll fo follow the money once again and take uh, OK State here. Oh, I like that pick quite a bit. I almost played that myself, and it's kind of sad because this is going to be the last Bedlam game for a long, long time. So enjoy it if you like rivalries in college football. It is a 3.30 Eastern kickoff for Bedlam at Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater. Pick six. Pick six. Let's head to Tuscaloosa, shall we? Alabama, lane three, hosting number 13, LSU. I had this pick earlier in the week. I heard our guy P.J. Glasser on it as well, and I'm sticking with it. This might be the game that Jaden Daniels shows everyone he deserves to be in the Heisman conversation, along with J.J. McCarthy and Jordan Travis and Michael Penix Jr. He is amazing. He is electric. The problem is the LSU defense is not amazing. They are so, so bad against the run, and that will be the difference in this one. LSU is ranked 84th overall in rush defense. So... It's not going to matter if it's Jace McClellan tatting the rock or whether it's Jalen Milrow taking off when he's in the pocket. Even worse, the Tigers, already weak against the run, keep losing key pieces on their D. Tackle Makai Wingo, cornerback Zai Alexander, both out for this game. So I expect the Crimson Tide to force LSU to stop them on the ground, and I don't think LSU can do it. It is a short number. Alabama minus three in Tuscaloosa. It's a squad play. I'll be on Alabama as well. And you pretty much summed it up. But bottom line for me is this LSU defense. They were bad to start with. And now they're incredibly banged up. They'll be starting 
three true freshmen, I believe, at uh, defensive back here. They're missing three of those uh, defensive backs on the secondary. Also missing their starting uh, left, or excuse me, defensive tackle, Makai Wingo, for this one. I don't think that trends well for an Alabama offense that's been explosive in their own regard. You look at Jalen Milrow averaging over 10 yards per attempt. So I know everybody's looking at the LSU quarterback in this one and saying, oh, this could be his Heisman moment. But also, he has to face the much tougher defense here. Alabama is not going to give him a clean pocket. They are fourth in the nation in sack rate. They are 14th in pressure rate. I think they're going to make it a lot tougher on Daniels here. I think it's Alabama winning at home by at least three points. I'll take the Crimson Tide minus three. Ah, that's what I like a squad play. I really like this play a lot. So I'm going to be on that. Going to be on Ole Miss as well. Short numbers. And I think this has the possibility to be one of the better games this weekend. Certainly the rankings tell you that. The number tells you that. But I do think Chelsea... I don't want to say Alabama blowout because LSU is very talented. They have too many pieces on offense, but I think Alabama could could sort of run away or or get some distance between the two late in the game and just be the more physical team because LSU, again, their defense is huge. If they had any semblance of a defense, they might be able to keep this one close. I don't think it's going to happen. It's also a game with uh, huge implications here in the SEC mm -hmm. West, especially, uh, well, for both sides, I guess you could say. Alabama, surprisingly, only has one loss, and it's not even a conference loss. It's to Texas. It's wild to me how nobody's talking that much about Alabama, but ho-hum, a one-loss team in the mm -hmm. top 25 with a chance to play in the SEC championship. So we'll see who wins this one. It is a big time game, but Jenks, something else I've noticed when doing all mm -hmm. these handicaps, how many quarterbacks are named Jalen in college huh. and the NFL? It feels like a ton. Cause I'm trying to get all these names straight. And it's like Jaden Daniels, Jalen Daniels, uh, you know, Jalen Milrow. There are so yeah. many Jalen's. I don't know why this name is so popular, but it is. And then you got JJ McCarthy. It's like, Hi, I'm Jalen. Hi, I'm Jalen. Hi, I'm Jaden. Hi, I'm JJ. Okay, everybody just, I'm Jordan. Everybody everybody <laughs> with a J in their first name, just slow down for a hot second. I don't know what's happening here. So yes, I'm with you. I When I'm doing these previews or writing down my handicap or looking at everything, I have to do a Google search just to make sure I'm getting it right because it's easy <laughs> to, yeah, I'm like, am I getting this wrong? Like, I, Jalen Milrow doesn't play for Florida State, Michael. You got to get this right. So, obviously, you know these names, but it's easy to get them confused when you're going pick after pick after pick. And these guys, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting how there are a lot of similarities between these quarterbacks. Right. If they were on The Bachelor, they would have to give them initials. Because isn't that the funny thing on The Bachelor <laughs> where there's like seven Ashleys and it's like Ashley R., you're going to get the first impression rose. And like <laughs> Ashley T is over in the corner and be like, Ashley, oh, it's not me. It's Ashley R. Oh, my God. Like that's got to suck. Like I will never know the feeling because my name is Chelsea of like sharing a name with somebody. I guess that's true. That's one thing that makes you unique. I don't know any other Chelsea I've never seen or heard of another Chelsea. I wonder if there is another. You might be the only one. I bet there's one Ever. somewhere. But do you ever like respond to Michael? Like when somebody's like Michael out in public? That's a pretty common name. Yeah, I do. But it's weird for me to hear that. I'll hardly ever hear Michael. Hardly ever.
Yeah, we only call him Jenks or our resident <laughs> vampire because uh, he loves the night and he loves uh, being in the dark. All right, we'll get to NBA awards markets after the break here on The Daily Tip. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on The Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. And we're back. Happy Friday here on the Daily Tip. It's been mostly football, but we're going to sprinkle in a little basketball as we run down the NBA futures market for some of the top awards in the association are there any of these bets that you should be placing early on in the year or do you kind of wait and see how some of these players are producing i'm not gonna lie jenks here on the show we are always very transparent i have trouble Mm -hmm. getting excited for the nba the first few weeks of the season and i feel like some of the players have trouble getting excited for the first few weeks of the nba (laughs) season So I feel like it's a little different than like baseball say that people probably say the same thing. It's like, do you really care about like the Cubs and the Rockies in like April? And I would say yes, because the starting pitchers are definitely putting out their best effort. Maybe that effort is not at its best yet, but still in the NBA, so much of it is motivation. And I would say a lot of it as well is injuries and also load management that still exists despite the league trying to curtail it. So Mm -hmm. are you like me? Does it take you a while to get warmed up, motivationally speaking, to bet on the NBA? Yes, it sure does. (laughs) When I saw this segment, I thought, oh, no. Oh, boy. What am I going to say? Oh, boy. I got some work (laughs) to do. I'm going to have to throw out some tired narratives. Isn't LeBron (laughs) too old to win a title? I think this Wimby guy is really talented and could win Rookie of the Year. And I'll tell you something else. I like this Nikola Jokic character. So, yes, I'm with you. It's going to be, yeah, yeah, some tried and trues there. I'm, I'm excited about the NBA, and I will get into it just like I get into everything. It just does take some time. And, you know, as I always say, it does my brain can only handle so much information and we just wrapped up baseball. I think baseball has dominated mm-hmm. so much of the conversation or at least our bets on this show, because we've had such massive sample sizes and you in particular, have had a lot of success betting on baseball. So it's hard to immediately jump into another sport where we're still figuring things out as to who's going to surprise us, who's going to disappoint us because ultimately You're going back to last season as part of your handicap in addition to the small sample size this year. Well, and also the handicap is so different for regular season matchups today as opposed to betting on the postseason because we do like betting on the postseason in the NBA. I think we bet on a ton of those games. Uh, And they're much easier to handicap because you know everybody's playing. You know if somebody is healthy, they're certainly going to make their best effort to be a part of these games. But I was looking at the stats from uh, the season already And it looks like pretty much the guys that you would think be leading uh, the league in points and rebounds and all of that are pretty much the top of the list. Right now, when it comes to points per game, it's Luka, it's Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid. So, so far, not a ton of surprises. 
But I was surprised to see Wimby dropping all of those points last night. If you haven't been keeping up on the favorite for Rookie of the Year, Victor Wimbignana, the freakish sensation uh, out of Europe, is now minus 350 to win Rookie of the Year after dropping 38 points late last night. Are you surprised he's this skilled? of a score this early on in his career. Cause I think all of us kind of expect some, like, you know, some ups and downs from rookies, but especially in the, a, there are guys that come into the league, you know, mm-hmm. like a tornado. And obviously if you look at Wimby, he is a freak athlete and there yeah. is a reason where everybody heralded him, heralded him as a generational player. But do you think he can continue this? for an entire season because i think that is the handicap on rookie of the year like i wouldn't advise you to lay minus 350 at this point at some point he's going to have a dip in production where maybe you get him at a better price and do you think he can stay healthy for the whole year because i think that's the main part of the handicap that's to me it's the only handicap Mm -hmm. we have never seen anyone like victor wimbanyama i mean he is there is a reason why there was all the hype surrounding him and it was tanking for Wimby, whatever it is. If you haven't watched him yet, he's not just some seven foot four guy, seven foot five. I don't even know his, he's eight foot 11. The legend continues to grow. We've never <laughs> seen any, anyone like him who moves that fluidly, who can dribble the ball down the court, who is exceptional defensively, who can drive, who can hit a fadeaway, who can hit from long range. He can do it all, and he's built like this arachnid. hes I've never seen anyone like him, and he's just getting started. I don't think he'll hit a rookie wall. I think he's going to continue to dominate. And this is a guy you have to remember, because he was coming over from France, he was playing very high-level European basketball, very not NBA level, but more advanced in college basketball. So he's already faced difficult competition. And so when you're that freak of an athlete and you've already proven it against high-level competition, yes, this is certainly a step up, but not from going like from the college game to the pros or going from high school to the pros, whatever. He is just different. I think this continues. And luckily, I got him, what was it, two and a half weeks ago, I found him at plus 140. And I thought I will never get a better price than that. I put some money on it. So I'm loving it now. And I think he's just going to continue to get more expensive. Barring an injury, he's going to win this award. Oh, for sure. But I think there is a chance that he could miss some time. Like you look at the way he is built. It seems like there is a chance that he could get injured because he's just so long and so wiry. And also the season's really long for the NBA. Mm -hmm. So if you do like Wimby, I think you'll wait maybe, you know, he hits a dip if you think there is a chance that he gets hurt maybe there is some Mm -hmm. value on some of these other players because going into the season it looks like a three-person race for rookie of the year chet holmgren actually was taking some money you look at scoot henderson we know we know he has some major upside to his game probably not the upside that we see for wimby but still if victor uh victor wimbignana misses some time there is a chance that the window opens for one of these two other guys. I think that's as far as the list goes for me. Like, I don't think anybody other than those three guys can win it. And if we are talking about injury concerns, you have to have some concerns for Chet Holmgren as well. It feels like, you know, he's got the same build. And also he has had the injury history 
already in the NBA. So I think I'm sold on taking anybody else right now, but I'm just saying that would be the strategy for me is that you do not buy on a, a stock when it's already at its peak. Maybe you wait a few mm -hmm. weeks and see if Wimby has like a bad game here or there and maybe get a better price. Let's look at some of these other futures market because MVP is always uh, a fun one to look at. And it feels like Luka Doncic is always towards the top of the odds board when it comes to preseason and the start of the season. And we know the opportunity is certainly going to be there for him to post massive numbers. Right now, like I said, he is leading the league in points per game and also somebody who can fill up the stat sheet. It's not like he is just posting points alone. He's somebody who can um, uh, dial up the assists. Uh, he's third in the NBA in assists right now, averaging almost 10 assists per game. But lately, it has been a big man's market in the MVP race. The last few MVPs have been Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, and Giannis. So do we think this is the year that somebody other than a big man wins this award? I, I really like Luka. I really do. And Nikola Jokic could absolutely win it again. But I, I was thinking about this earlier, and maybe you wait until you can get better value. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. It's plus 450, so it's not terrible. But I was thinking about narratives, and I feel like when it comes to narratives, narratives affect the NBA MVP race maybe more than any other. Like last season, it was, when is Joel Embiid going to win the MVP? When is Joel Embiid going to win the MVP? And you got this feeling, look, if it's close – they're going to give it to Joel Embiid because it's his time. And they did. And I thought it should have gone to Nikola Jokic, but ultimately it doesn't really matter. Joel Embiid was awesome last season. But I, can you imagine Luka Doncic going through his career without winning an MVP? That seems unfathomable to me. So I think that the Mavs can put together a good season and maybe that offseason with Kyrie maybe can set up Luka for more opportunities and make him a little bit more efficient then maybe it's his time. But I think narrative matters here when it comes to this award more than any other. If you think narratives matter, don't you think that goes to building a case for Nikola Jokic as well? Because I think if you look at last season in retrospect, it feels mm -hmm. like Nikola Jokic should have won MVP. And people just kind of gave it to Joel Embiid because they said, okay, he hasn't won one. He's had back-to-back -back great season seasons now is finally his time but if Nikola Jokic puts another season on the books that looks like last year and he is so unguardable because he's putting up the same stats as point guards you know the way that he can uh, fill up the stat sheet when it comes to assists obviously when it comes to rebounds and he is just so dependable, knock on wood. I know he's coming off a long season where he had to play every single game of the postseason because they won the NBA Finals. But still, there is. it feels like there are a few people who are as durable as Nikola Jokic because that goes in the handicap as well. How many games mm -hmm. are you going to be playing? Because if you're not available, you're not going to be MVP, obviously, if you're not on the court. So I think that's why I would always, uh, you know, lean towards Nikola Jokic there. But he is the favorite at plus 375. So maybe you wait for one of these other guys to maybe make a run here. Uh, I think we've said this before. My other long shot play would be SGA. Uh, Shea Gilgus Alexander at 18 to 1 if we are looking at yeah. longer odds, guys. Because it's built into the fact 
that if you think Oklahoma City is going to have a better season now that they have all these young guys surrounding him, you could see a much improved Oklahoma City Thunder team. And if that's the narrative, you look at the head of that team and SGA who averaged over 30 points per game last year. So maybe that is a play worth looking at. But other than that, there's nobody I'm super interested in. I think this is a market where maybe you need to wait and see just a little bit, especially if you're looking at some of those favorites. Uh, Jenks, you got an early lean for who wins it all? I I would I like the Nuggets again at five to one. I know that's sort of a lame pick. And watch out for the Bucks. Obviously, if they put it together with Dane, they're going to be a threat as well. I do not believe in the Celtics at four to one. Yeah, I'm not betting on the Celtics. A, a regular season team only will not be trusting them in the postseason for the time being. All right, coming up at the top of the hour, we will talk some baseball with Scott Braun of Foul Territory TV after the break on the Daily Tip. For more, listen to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BeckQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.